Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. strange as it sounds, in order to win a big title like this, you don't have to do anything special on the day. But you do have to do special things, you know, in the many days and weeks and months and years leading up to it. You know, I think you have to be committed, you have to be consistent, you have to be self-disciplined, you have to have a lot of these things so that when you reach that moment and, and you sort of get to that point, you don't have to feel you don't have to, you don't feel like you have to do anything special because you've been doing the special stuff uh, on the day-to-day basis, um, and I think that is the most important thing for me um, that I feel like I, I really learned. This podcast, fifteen minutes of mental toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate. It's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip. It's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance. So for all your hydration needs, our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code mental toughness at INeedSOS.com. This episode is brought to you by Some Sleep. Go to getsome.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-M.com. We all deserve a better night's sleep. You drink one can 30 minutes before bed, and it's that simple. This awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast, but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product. And In fact, if you go to getsome.com and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, you get 10% off. Guarantee you're going to love this product. Go there right away. So our guest today, uh, I've known this man for, for quite a few years. You know, he's, uh, he's reached top 50 in the world for singles. He's won two ATP titles. He's also won the silver medal at the Rio Olympics when he's paired with Venus Williams. Uh, he's won... Uh, Indian Wells. He's won uh, Paris Masters. So he has 17 double t- doubles titles. He was also runner-up at the 2016 U.S. Open. runner-up at the ATP World Finals. Uh, it was an excellent match. But he's most recently Grand Slam winner at the Australian Open. One of his foundations is Entourage for Kids. Our guest today, uh, very excited about this guest, is Rajiv Ram. Rajiv, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate that. Receive. let's start out, man. Tell me about, uh, and congratulations on being a Grand Slam winner. Let's start out with that, that whole process. I mean, you've, you've been on tour many years and to finally break through. Talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, it's really not been a, a short road, let's just say that. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I've, I've played quite a few years on tour and uh, I've been fortunate enough to play in quite a few big matches and uh over the last couple of years, especially lost some some real tough ones. Lost a gold medal match at the Olympics. Lost the U.S. Open final. Lost a uh, 
uh, the the finals, the World Tour finals, and you know the ATP World Tour finals, which is our biggest event on tour outside of the majors. Uh, so you know, lost quite a few, quite a few kind of career defining moments. So uh, you know, this January when I was kind of put in that position again, fortunately, I was in the mixed doubles finals at the Australian Open. Um, was a different feeling for me, to be honest. I felt uh, a bit more sure of myself. I felt a bit more. Honestly, like it was a regular match, which hadn't been the feeling before. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't overdoing it. I wasn't trying too hard, maybe, and uh, and I, ju I just felt like I was ready to ready to clear that final hurdle, which uh, I was lucky enough to do. So, with with you know, one of the quotes that Jack Nicholas says, people don't understand how many times you got to finish second in order to finish first. What did you learn from all of those experiences and all the years that that led up to this? Yeah, first of all, I, I don't think, I think that is absolutely spot on. Uh, obviously, one of the greatest athletes of all time, but, you know, I think that's absolutely spot on. Um, I, I think I just learned that, as strange as it sounds, in order to win a big title like this, you don't have to do anything special on the day. But you do have to do special things, you know, in the many days and weeks and months and years leading up to it you know i think you have to be committed you have to be consistent you have to be self-disciplined you have to have a lot of these things so that when you reach that moment and and you sort of get to that point you don't have to feel you don't have to you don't feel like you have to do anything special because you've been doing the special stuff uh, on the day-to-day -day basis um and i think that is the most important thing for me um that i feel like i i really learned out of it and when you, you kind of indicate a little bit there, Raj, but when you talk about, can you talk about mental toughness and, and what that means to you? Yeah, I, I actually don't think mental toughness so much so is, uh, is, is as valid, you know, on the match court in the finals of a grandson, whatever it might be. I don't, I don't know that it's so, it, those are the tough times. I think the tough times are, you know, when you're at home or, you know, training week or something and, you know, getting up and putting the same amount of intensity and effort into a practice or a gym session or a mental conditioning session or whatever. I think it's the day-to-day -day stuff that's, that becomes very challenging that, you know, there's always something better to do or maybe something more fun to do. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's all of those sort of good days that you put in the bank that are, you're able to sort of, you know, withdraw when you need, so to speak, uh, in a challenging situation uh, or, or, you know, you can use that use that work that you put in and i think that's really where the mental toughness comes in from it's more of the consistency of the day-to-day -day work that you do away from let's call it the big stage you know I, I love that take raj because i guess one of the things is you know the better we get the more importance that mental toughness is off the court and the things mm -hmm. i mean i mean what are, what are some of those things that i mean the regular fan who even follows your career follows tennis what's one thing that they don't understand about that schedule and about all those obligations that you have to face and all those little stressors what is it that you have to do in order to you know still be your best well i mean i think the the first thing is just that we have a schedule in our sport in tennis where we travel all the time and you know you're crossing continents you know all the time changing time zones changing surfaces conditions i mean there's so many things that make it difficult and not you know, I'm not going to say not fun, but not as enjoyable as maybe as it could be to go out and absolutely give it your best in the, on the practice court. And I think, uh, you know, realizing sort of, you know, treading that fine line between when it's time to really go to work and maybe when it's time to rest and back off and 
and all that I think is uh, is really the the key and, and something that people don't realize it's it's the unglamorous part of you know I would say all professional sports you know we you know we get to perform in some of the biggest stages and some of the coolest arenas in the world but you know before that and around that you, you have a lot of days of, of you know preparing for those moments which are you know where there it's not it's not so glamorous at all I get that man um, you know I got so much respect for you and the in the journey that you've been on um, and obviously we've spoken before and you know I was wondering if you could share with us um, you know what what's been because always with the guests we always talk about the hinge moments what's been a hinge mm -hmm. moment that's happened in, in your life or career well I mean I would definitely say most recently it's winning a major championship and I think you know, I haven't competed since that, so I can't really say that it's quite a hinge moment just yet. But I, I have a feeling that it's going to be just simply because it's a milestone and something that you know we all as tennis players strive towards at some point. Um, so, so just that and the feeling that I really do belong in that circle and I, I belong in that situation. And you know, whenever I do happen to you know get the chance to be there again, if and when I, I, I feel like. I'm going to take the experience that I had in Australia and be confident that I can, you know, I can repeat my performance. No, no question. Um, I had, a, I had, you know, a few others that sort of uh, probably stuck out in my career. The, the biggest one probably being in 2015, I won my second singles title. And um, it just sort of made me really feel validated that I, I uh, you know, was a, pretty good singles player you know like I, I think people can I, I, I wanted a title before that in 2009 and, and people could kind of say well you know you got through one tournament and it was lucky and you know all these kinds of things but I think to, to win two titles on tour means that you probably were doing something right so I just I just felt like that second one was a bit more validating uh the fact that I was able to do it again um that that was quite nice for me so one of the things I mean you're a, a Olympic medalist and I mean, you represented the country down there at Rio. And I was wondering if you could walk us through that experience because you weren't even supposed to be there, right? Mm, that's right. I um, was lucky that uh, a couple of the guys on the team didn't, didn't want to go. And, um, you know, I got the call literally last minute, I think two days before I was supposed to fly to Rio, um, uh, that, that I was going to be on the team. And, um, I uh, yeah, it was sort of it was sort of one of those strange things where it all came together at the very last minute, and I happened to be, you know, in a situation that I never really thought I was going to be in, where I was you know representing America and the the biggest you know, sporting stage in the world, and uh, got to play doubles with an old friend of mine, which was really awesome, and got to play mixed doubles with a, a true legend of the game. So I, I was uh, pretty pumped about the whole thing. And when you look back on on those type, what, what is it that's different about you know even the Olympics that from um, you know from a, a competitor standpoint that's different from other other events? Yeah, the Olympics was it was interesting because as a tennis player, we don't really grow up thinking about the Olympics. To be very honest, I mean, we think about Wimbledon, U.S. Open, the Grand Slams, maybe some of the bigger events we have on our tour, you know. And and the Olympics is sort of you know comes around once every four years, but it's not it's a huge event. No, don't get me wrong, but it's not like a mainstay for us on on our tour because it, it's not it's not every season. Um, the the biggest thing for me was, to be honest, before the event, all the stuff leading up to it, whether it was the opening ceremonies, the Olympic Village, looking around, all these other great athletes and 
watching them prepare for their events and just sort of the hype around the whole the whole thing is is like nothing else that I've ever been a part of and you know to be a small part of that as a competitor walking walking the you know the opening ceremonies is something I'll never forget once we actually got to the tennis part of it it really wasn't that much different uh, until the very end when you know we're playing for a medal and <clears throat> even though I didn't, I didn't end up winning I won a silver we get to be presented it on the podium and you know hear the the national anthem and and everything like that because that's a bit abnormal once again so the tennis part through the tournament wasn't too different but the sort of beginning and end of the process was was a lot different right and uh and that's the worst medal that you can win isn't it it it, it, yeah because you don't win on the last day so um i was very happy to have a medal uh at the end of it Uh, but if you look at some of the pictures from from the ceremony i don't look very happy at the time because i I really wanted that gold one (laughs) so one of the things is you know um we always talk about the process actually being more important than the product. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you talk about like your development as a player, like throughout the years, and and how that's just impacted you both on and off the court? Yeah, I mean, I think um, this is where I feel like everyone kind of has to find their way in in athletics. You know, whatever sport it might be, I think you know you're. We all come in different shapes, sizes, abilities, talent levels you know, strengths, weaknesses, we, we all have different things. So to think that, you know, everyone's going to have the same path is a bit silly. I don't, I don't think that's possible. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we, we really have to make sure that you sort of trust your gut and listen, you know, listen to yourself and, and, and figure out what's best for you. And I think that was for me, for example, you know, as a kid, I never left home. A lot of the kids my age went to tennis academies and went, you know, away from home. And I'm not saying that's the that's wrong. I just didn't think it was right for me. I thought my development was going to be best had by, you know, staying in a place that I'm comfortable, really enjoying the game. And, and for me, going away from home because of tennis and, and playing seven hours a day was not going to be enjoyable. I, maybe I was going to become a better player in the short term, but I don't believe I would have had as, as long a career as I as I am having now uh, because I still I still love to play and I think I still have that sort of you know child childish enthusiasm for for tennis even at 34 years old. So I mean I think that's part of it. I think you know when when you think about development in a physical way and a mental way, I think everyone is is uh, matures at a different a different rate and you have to really pay attention to that. Raj, I appreciate you talking about that uh, that path because obviously there's a lot of different paths. Um, I think people only look at that one. You you mentioned comfort. Um, can you think back? I mean, on your career, I mean, how important is comfort out there? You know, just being at the events and being at you know on on court. Um, I think it's important for sure to be comfortable with the people around you because I think as an athlete you get thrown into uncomfortable situations all the time you know when you're competing when you're practicing when you're you know when you're in the gym you know busting your butt trying to get just a little bit better it's not comfortable it's very uncomfortable to be honest with you or at least it is for me and I think you know when you have a support group around you that makes the time that you're not doing those things when that makes you comfortable it's a nice, it's definitely a nice and, and for me needed balance. Um, otherwise it would just be, you know, a whole lot of uncomfortable, which I think then drives, drives you to maybe not enjoy and not, you know, and, and, and maybe not have the same passion you would, you know, for what you're doing. Yeah. Excellent, man. Can you, um, and obviously, I mean, you've played it 
all the best events. Can you talk about one of your first experiences playing singles at uh, at Wimbledon and, and talk about that? Yeah, so 2000 and I might get the year wrong, but I'm going to say 2010. Um, I it was my second or third main draw at Wimbledon. Second, I think actually. I think I qualified the year before, and my in 2010 my ranking got me in. So first round tough draw. Played American legend Andy Roddick, good friend of mine. Actually played played together in the juniors, and you know he obviously had a, a phenomenal career. I think he was probably a top five seed, I would say. And so we're playing on court one. This is the second biggest court at Wimbledon. So not center court, but court one. It's quite a ways from the locker room, so they take you down this long hallway. It's actually like an underground tunnel. It's pretty cool. But I had walked that tunnel before, but I'd never actually been to the court. So we're walking walking around, walking to the court, and uh, we get to uh, where they're just about to introduce us, and I decided I have to go to the restroom real fast. And uh, I think I asked somebody or, or said something, hey, you know, do you know where the restroom is? And, and Andy chimed in and said, oh, yeah, here, it's right here. Like, pointed just down the hallway, wherever it was. And, you know, it kind of struck me at that moment, right before we were going to go out the court, I realized... This is my first time on court one, and he's probably been out here a hundred times playing matches and just felt like this was another day. So for me, it was a, a huge moment to play on a big court to play against a top seed. And for him, he was just starting another Wimbledon. And it just made me feel like, you know, at that moment already, I felt like I, I was going to have to do something special to win, which I was, no question. But I didn't certainly need to feel that extra bit of pressure or intimidation. And I don't think he meant to do it. I think, honestly, he was just trying to tell me where the bathroom was which is not not a mean thing to do but i i i felt uh, i felt that in a different way <laughs> yeah and i mean you know and I, I ask about that because i mean then that gets back to that comfort right like being comfortable in your surroundings and yeah knowing where you are and, and how you belong absolutely he felt like he belonged as he should he felt like he belonged to play on court one because of who he was and his results at that tournament and you know he felt like he knew where you know, knew knew where he was, and and that was okay. You know, he was he was very he was very happy to be in that in that uh, arena, and very very you know, very cool with it, I should say. Raj, your uh, your foundation is Entourage for Kids. Can you can you talk about that? Yeah. So you know, one of the things I feel like you talk about paths, and you talk about sort of uh, you know things that happened to me as a kid. I had a lot of support from the community, both you know high school and parental support and coaches, and I just feel like you know tennis gave me a lot you know has given me and has continues to give me a lot it's given me a, a passion to pursue it's given me a career it's given me a livelihood and you know I think um, one of the things I feel like is I think sport in general but in my case tennis can be it's such a, a great avenue for kids to make right choices as opposed to wrong ones and so we, we have a foundation started in 2010 here in the area we, we raise money through various uh, means to fund high school tennis programs and individual high school tennis players so that, um, you know, if there's a if there's a school, let's say, somewhere that's a little underprivileged or doesn't have a source of income that wants to have a tennis team but can't, we try to give them the resources to put that together so that kids can, you know, after school can choose to play tennis and choose to be on the tennis team as opposed to maybe making some other choices that will be detrimental to them. and. Uh, you know, I just think it's a great way, tennis and sports is such a great way to learn about life and make great choices, build relationships and, you know, things that are way more important than playing, you know, playing as a career, I think. Uh, so we, we just try to facilitate that as best as we can. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love uh, love the impact you make on the game. Um, 
Raj, I know your time's precious, man, and I just really appreciate you taking the time and and, and sharing about your uh, strength, hope, and experience, man. It's my pleasure, and I certainly appreciate all the all the help you've given me over my career. So I, I certainly thank you for that. You're the man, buddy. All right. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.